It's time for Growing Texas Olives, the only podcast made specifically for you, the Texas olive grower. And it's probably still the only podcast in the world fully dedicated to just talking how to grow olives. Thanks for being here today. I am your host, Stephen Yonock. Well, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon, the middle of January, the 13th, I believe, January 2022. Boy, it's just really kind of hard for me to believe that we're already in 2022. That number just seems futuristic to me. Like that's 2022. We ain't got to worry about that for a while. That's in the future. No, no, that's here now. And we're two weeks into it darn near. So let's go ahead and get after it today. Today, today, we're going to talk dormancy in olive trees. What is dormancy? What initiates dormancy? What happens during dormancy to trees? What affects the, the depth of dormancy? And what do we know about it and what do we not know about it? And so I'm going to do my best to, to attempt to explain uh, this process in as much detail as I can muster. Of course, I'm not an expert on, on tree and uh, tree dormancy, uh, but of course you should know I, I do my I do my fair share of reading before I do any of these pod- podcast episodes, really. I, I do the literature review as much as I can and have time for. I, I read about what's out there and learn about it myself before bringing it to you. And so that's what I'm going to do today, hopefully kind of bring everybody up to speed on what is dormancy and, and all that, because the next episode, the one after this, we're going to talk a little bit more still about dormancy but more about vernalization and the winter period and the dormancy period and the vernalization and how all of that impacts flowering and fruiting because we're getting really close to that potential time here in Texas. But first, I, need to, I think we need to talk about dormancy. And so one, one definition or one description that I found of dormancy in, in some papers is this, is that dormancy is a phase of development phase of development that allows trees to survive unfavorable conditions during the winter. Dormancy is often, of course, associated with a, with a lack of growth or the, the slowing of growth of the tree or really, in fact, the complete stop of the above-ground portions of the growth of the tree. And, of course, we see this every day as you look out the window as you drive down the road, as you hopefully you're like me and you just look at trees all day and not pay attention to the road enough, probably you see that a lot of trees are are dormant right now. A lot of trees have lost their leaves and that is their state of dormancy. Of course, the olive has not. The olive as an evergreen tree is a little different. (laughs) And that's something I've learned in every topic that I've studied in in regards to olives is they're just a little bit different than your other typical temperate fruit trees and deciduous fruit trees that lose their leaves in the winter. But anyways, I digress. And I like to, I like this, uh, I like this statement here that I found in in a paper. It says, for dormancy establishment, 
Growth cessation is necessary. So growth must stop in order for dormancy to, to initiate and for the plant to establish some dormancy. It goes on to say that growth cessation is caused by environmental signals such as cold, drought, photo period, and light quality. Of course, we understand you know, cold and winter, uh, that, that brings on dormancy. We see dormancy during the winter. Drought, we're going to talk about that. Photo period is the, is the length of daylight, okay, or the length of, or of nighttime, the length of darkness. That's the, what they're calling photo period. And light quality is more about not so much the, the, the time period of light, but the quality of the light. What wavelength of light is being intercepted by the plant? Uh, you know, wavelengths of light uh, that are received or that, that fall onto plants are, uh, are affected by their surroundings. So, for example, if a plant is in the shade of another plant, then that shaded plant is actually receiving more far red light and less red light, uh, whereas the plant in full sun is receiving more red than far red light. So the quality of light can change depending on, of course, the placement of the of the plant and the timing of the year, you know, in the winter as the sun uh, here in the northern hemisphere, as the sun uh, is closer to the closer to the horizon during winter, uh, it's at a sharper angle in relation to the surface of the earth, and so the quality of light is different because that ray of light then has to pass through more atmosphere to to reach us, and so that's what they mean by quality of light. And so going back to that first thing I said, uh, dormancy is a, a phase of development of a tree that allows it to survive unfavorable conditions during the winter. And I like that it says phase of development. It doesn't say a phase of inactivity uh, because the, the plant is not totally inactive. If there was absolutely nothing happening in the plant during dormancy, then that's, that's considered, considered dead. That would be a dead tree, not a dormant tree. So there's actually still things happening inside a plant while it's dormant. Even a plant that's lost all of its leaves is, is still, still alive. It, the, the blood's still pumping to some degree. There's still metabolic processes happening inside the plant, not just root growth, but also in the buds and, and the stems that are remaining. And, of course, for the olive tree in the leaves because those leaves are still green, evergreen tree. And this really shouldn't be any new information for any of you. It, it should be common knowledge that uh, dormancy helps trees escape and deal with the cold of winter. You know, for example, a, a whatever, let's say a pecan tree in the middle of summer. Well, if, if a pecan tree in the middle of summer, for some weird reason, experiences a 32, 31 degree temperature, or freezing temperatures, yeah, it's going to be damaged by even just slightly freezing temperatures. Whereas when the pecan tree is dormant, in the winter, it's lost its leaves, it's in a state of dormancy. It, of course, can handle temperatures well below freezing, well below zero. You know, the, the, excuse me, the pecan tree grows way up into Illinois, so it can handle cold temperatures, and it's the dormancy that allows that to occur. Another thing that dormancy does for plants is, is sort of make sure that they are timed correctly with the changing of seasons. And again, this is all kind of common knowledge. You know, plants produce typically, a lot of plants typically produce, excuse me, typically a lot of plants produce flowers in the spring. And we just kind of, you know, we take that for granted. That's when things flower, spring, summer. Uh, but that's, that's not just an accident. That's how the plants evolved. They evolved this period of dormancy 
as a signal to the plant to say, okay, right now things are, you know, it, it's rough outside, it's cold, conditions are not favorable for our growth, development, reproduction. This We're going to take it easy, we're going to take it dormant during this cold period. And then they've, they've evolved to kind of respond to when that dormancy period goes away and as the temperatures and things start to transition to spring and summer, that's a signal to the plant to say, okay, now we're going back into favorable conditions. Now is the time to flower, set our fruit, set our seed, reproduce, and have continuation of the species. Otherwise, if it wasn't for this, this uh, dormancy period that acts as a signal and, and keeps the plant timed to the changing of the seasons, otherwise, if that's not there, the plant might just flower at, at any time. And this can be seen if you've ever had certain types of citrus uh, on certain rootstock or if they're not on rootstock. Uh, I'm thinking of things like lime. Key lime especially seems to be one that really doesn't go fully dormant. We can see blooms from key lime or Meyer lemon. We can see them bloom at just about any time of the year, including December and January. So they don't, you know, again, that's an evergreen tree. It's a tropical species, so that's a reason for that. But it doesn't experience a true period of, of dormancy, and so it doesn't have that signal to synchronize the timing of its flowering with the onset of more favorable weather conditions in spring and summer. And so those are two things that dormancy does for a plant. Helps them survive unfavorable weather conditions during winter help synchronize the timing of the flowering and, and seed set, fruit set, to, to the onset of favorable conditions. And the third thing is that a lot of our perennial fruit plants, fruit trees, and, and especially, of course, the olive, have a requirement of a certain amount of dormancy in order to produce flowers. We can't, we can't induce an olive tree or, or similar other trees to produce flowers without a period of dormancy. Yes, there's chilling requirements and, and all of that, vernalization, we're going to talk about that next week, but none of that can happen if the tree is not in a state of dormancy already. So dormancy must precede those, the chilling accumulation or the vernalization that's required to promote flowering and fruit set. So that's the three things that I see dormancy does. And so the next interesting question to me about on this topic is then what, what initiates dormancy in a tree? What makes a tree go dormant? And I, and I said this before at the beginning. I, I read from this paper here, this review on dormancy. It says, for dormancy establishment, growth cessation is necessary. Growth must stop. Growth cessation is caused by environmental signals such as cold, drought, photoperiod, and light quality. We'll just go ahead and say right now, light quality probably doesn't have a, a whole lot to do with it, but we'll discuss it briefly here in a minute. The first environmental signal that, that induces the stoppage of growth, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, but I said it, the cessation of growth. The first one they, they mentioned is cold, and of course, yeah, we get into the end of summer, fall, going into winter. The typical pattern is that we have decreasing average temperatures as we, as we go into this fall and winter period. Of course, 2021, the end of 21, um, yeah, just the end of 21, not 22, because about the first of 22, we actually did start to cool down. But the first of 2021, I mean, excuse me, the, the fall and winter of 2021 
was incredibly warm. In fact, we set records for, for the warmest days ever experienced in, in December and even on, uh, on Christmas Day around the state, there were records set for warm temperatures. We hadn't had a, 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 a real freeze, at least not in my area. We never had a real freeze in the fall, winter of 21. We didn't have that until about the, the very first days of 22, which is strange from my area. We're supposed to have our first freeze about the middle of November. So if cold is a signal environmental cue that, that makes growth of trees stop and starts this dormancy process, then I look out my window as I'm reading about dormancy, thinking about the dormancy in olive trees. Well, I look out the window and the pecan trees don't have any leaves. They're dormant. And my peach trees, same thing, they're dormant. And the cottonwoods and the hackberries and all the other trees that, that are bare have no leaves right now, they're dormant. And yeah, we've experienced, you know, a little bit cooler temperatures. It's not summer anymore, but it's not cold. It's not chilly. Uh, and in fact, in these reviews, it's, it's kind of been established that a temperature, the kind of the average temperature needed to, to make growth really slow down and stop is somewhere around 45 degrees. Of course, we're going to talk next week about chilling accumulation. Chill hours are usually calculated right below that 45 degree mark. That's kind of the magic number. So that all kind of jives together nicely so that we have to have some, some nighttime cool temperatures starting to be in that mid 40s and below that range uh, in order to initiate the cessation of growth to initiate dormancy. But pecan trees, peaches, they're, they're dormant and we haven't experienced any real chilling and cold weather yet. So what gives? Well, that goes to the next environmental signal that they, just, that they said here they said cold, no, excuse me, that goes to the third one. They said cold, drought, photo period, and light quality. So photo period is probably the, the number two driver of the cessation of growth in a normal fall, winter, dormancy time. The photo period, the length of daylight, is what drives, um, is what, uh, is, is a, excuse me, is an, an environmental cue, a signal that the plant can, uh, can interpret that helps them know, okay, it's, it's fall, it's winter, we need to be going into dormancy. So those plants, pecans, peaches, the hackberries, the cottonwoods, they are getting some signal, part of that signal from the length of day, the, the days that have gotten shorter, the day lengths have gotten shorter. But the olive tree does not, unfortunately. And that is part of our struggle with the olive tree. And so there's good, good literature out there that proves the olive tree does not respond to photo period at all. The olive tree does not respond at all to the length of daylight or the length of darkness. So that serves to explain why here at the end of 2021, uh, October, November, December, when the olive tree ideally should be dormant, we saw quite active growth of olive trees around the state due to those warm temperatures because they're not responding to the, the short day length, the short photo period. They only respond really to the, to the temperature. So that's why we're struggling with getting olive trees to go dormant. And of course, as I said in the first place, this dormancy process is what leads trees to survive cold weather. So there's a whole as a, as a whole process, as the tree goes into dormancy, it's also acclimating itself to cooler temperatures. And so it's a, it's a gradual process that has to happen. 
has to experience gradually cooler temperatures in order to in order to acclimate to even colder temperatures in order to survive a freeze. And that should be well known amongst you growers as well that a, a tree that's experienced some gradually lower and lower temperatures is well is more uh, more adapt, more better, more better <laughs> is better prepared to handle a freezing event. And so just a couple of weeks ago, here in Texas, we had, you know, depending where you are, where I'm at, we had about 24 to 21 degrees for one night. It was a, a pretty uh, significant freeze. And 24 to 21 degrees is not a, not a killing freeze, not a severely damaging freeze for olive trees. But our poor olive trees in Texas weren't all that dormant because it was so darn warm in those days and weeks leading up to the freeze. And so we did experience... You know, of course, some varying degrees of, of freeze damage due to that 24, 21 degree uh, freeze that we experienced here in the first part of 22. So that, I think, is a major challenge for us. The olive tree doesn't respond to photo period, only responds to, to, to cold temperatures. And so we, we have a hard time getting this darn thing to go dormant, which means we have a hard time surviving freezes, which means we have a hard time also producing flowers and fruit. So let's go back to what 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 are those four things that they said makes growth stop? What environmental signals? Cold, drought, photo period, light quality. Drought. Drought. Did you hear that one? <laughs> I was so excited uh, and pleased with myself when I read that drought. And that's, you know, that's a uh, that's not a, a new concept to me, but it was nice to see it in writing because I've, I've been telling you guys for a while now because others have told me because I've learned about it. Not saying I'm, you know, as I said, I'm not the expert, but I've been telling you, turn the water off. That is one way to manipulate the growth of the olive tree. You want the olive tree to stop growing? Stop giving it water and it'll stop growing. I don't care if it's you know, 75 degrees, 80, I don't care if it's gr perfect growing conditions. If the olive tree doesn't have enough water, it's not going to grow. It's an extremely drought tolerant plant. Think about where it comes from, those deserts of the Middle East. You can't hardly kill it with drought. It just goes dormant in a drought. It's a, it's a state of dormancy. They call it eco-dormancy. It's not a, not a true... <clears throat> Not a, not a true winter dormancy. A true winter dormancy they call endodormancy is a period where the, the plant is dormant and, and will not come out of dormancy until it's, it's chilling and heat requirements are met. Regardless of the temperatures that it's experiencing, if, it, if it's in full endodormancy, it's fully dormant, it doesn't matter if you expose it to perfect temperatures for growth right away, uh, it's not going to start regrowing right away because it's it's in this deep state of endodormancy. And that's a little, you know, that that's just me kind of nerding out on the, the science behind all of it because I find it rather fascinating. But it doesn't really have uh, that much application for you in the orchard, I guess. Anyways, Drought. Drought can impose a, a, a type of dormancy or it can help a plant go into a, a certain type of dormancy. It can help, uh, let's say, um, it can help. Drought can kind of enhance the, the effects of, of slightly chilled, slightly cool temperatures uh, and enhance the dormancy 
<clears throat> and enhance the response of the plant to those slightly cooler temperatures. So drought can kind of supplement if for some lack of, of cold temperatures to bring the plant into dormancy. And I've got, a, I've got a story for you on that front that I'm going to tell you next time about olives in Peru and the, the way that they're using drought there to manipulate those trees. So it's great to see that drought can contribute to bringing a tree into a certain state of dormancy. You know, when a, when a tree is water stressed, when it's experiencing some drought, um, it often produces or is more, uh, more receptive to the signals of abscisic acid. Abscisic acid is a, is a hormone produced by the plant, and it's widely known in the plant kingdom that plants produce abscisic acid in response to stress. And so water stress or drought stress can bring on this, either increase the production of, of abscisic acid or can make the plant more receptive to the abscisic acid that's that's in it already regardless the point is that there is uh, there's also literature that shows a, a, some some correlation between abscisic acid and dormancy in plants in fact winter dormancy in plants also so you see how these things kind of start to to complement each other and kind of start to fit together and again I don't I'm not the expert I can't fully tell you how exactly abscisic acid plays into dormancy and get into the molecular part. I, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm seeing this connection, and it's not nothing. So the environmental cues for dormancy, cold temperatures, drought, photo period, light quality. Let me go back to photo period briefly here because I, in my reading, in my review, it's, it was shown, and, it, and they suggested that certain other trees, like pears and, what was it, apples. Apples was a, was a big one. Those two, apples and pears, have very, very little response to photo period. So apples and pears, they're saying, are kind of like, kind of like olive trees, where they don't really respond to photo period. And I think that's, I think that's interesting. Uh, I don't have an apple tree myself. I have some pear trees, but they've still got some green leaves on them. Well, they had green leaves. They're brown now from the freeze, but they had leaves on them before the freeze, indicating to me, again, they weren't really going into full dormancy because of our, our lack of cold temperatures. And because they don't really respond to photo period, they really hadn't gone dormant. And the same thing with apples. I, I've seen pictures online on Facebook uh, just the last few weeks before the freeze that People had apple trees that were blooming. Uh, they still had green leaves. One person had new fruit that was just set on an apple tree. So that all starting to make sense. Those also don't respond to photo period. So they weren't really dormant at this time of the year in Texas because of our warm conditions. Oh, another thing, back to the drought thing. I'm sorry I'm kind of jumping around here, but I, I keep remembering things I want to tell you. And this is going to end up longer than I wanted to. But anyways... Back to the drought thing and its influence on dormancy, you've probably seen this if you've grown a peach tree, pear tree, apple tree, plum, nectarine, whatever. You've grown one of those types of trees, and I get this question every year. It's the middle of summer. It's been hot and dry. Uh, about September, August, September, maybe 1st of October, you start, even, even July, August, September, you start to see some of these peaches, some of these pears, mostly peaches, uh, and those uh, peaches, plums, nectarines, mostly you see it in those, where it's July, August, September, and they put on a new bloom. 
and you'll get people, you know, posting and asking me questions. Uh, why is this tree blooming in the in the summer like this? It shouldn't be blooming in July, August, September. And it's because of a a a kind of a light. Um, how do I explain this? It's a light dormancy. It's dormancy light. <laughs> Diet dormancy, <laughs> no, but but it goes back to the drought thing. It's a, you know, a lot of homeowners. I'll just be honest about this. A lot of homeowners struggle to provide enough water, consistent water. They don't mulch. They don't control weeds, and so a lot of times their trees are are water stressed. Really drought stressed in the middle of summer. It's hot, hot as heck. It's dry. Hadn't rained in two months, and so those peaches, those nectarines, those plums go into a sort of state of of diet dormancy or dormancy light is uh, and when rains return and temperatures cool off a little bit say say september or when we get into hurricane season we start getting those monsoon rains august september then the tree kind of recovers and conditions become favorable again whether that's temperature or soil moisture conditions they become favorable for growth well the tree is is sort of processing a signal that it i think i kind of went to sleep it, it it kind of feels like it was winter because it was dormant because of the water stress. And so it puts on maybe a couple of flowers here and there. And you can tell the severity of the dormancy, the severity of the water stress by how many flowers it does put out. And so, again, this is all kind of adding up. I hope that's making sense to you how drought, uh, how water stress, how the lack of water can contribute to a state of dormancy in trees. All right, quickly here I want to talk about the, the last uh, environmental signal that they, they, they talked about, that they mentioned there, uh, light quality, light quality and how that influences uh, growth of trees. And I'm going to go into a little bit of science here just because I think it's cool and this is going to go way over my normal amount of time, but you just hang in there if you want. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So for like 60, 70, 80 years or something, for the past five to eight decades, We've known about how plants respond to photoperiod, and we knew kind of how they do that. There's a protein that's produced inside the plant, usually in the leaves, a protein called phytochrome. And so there's several types of phytochromes throughout the plant. They're called like phytochrome A, phytochrome B. I think there's all the way up to phytochrome E. Or maybe there's F or G. I can't remember. Anyways, phytochrome B... Um, is, is one that they know uh, regulates the circadian rhythm of the plant. So plants actually have circadian rhythms just like humans. They can sense when it's daylight and they can sense when it's dark. And this phytochrome B a protein uh, has two different states, an active state and an inactive state. And it depends on the, the, the state that it's in depends on the quality of the light that it's receiving. So if the leaf is in full sun, and not being shaded at all. If it's, in, if it's in full sun, then it's receiving more red than it is far red light. And if it's in shade, it's receiving more far red light than it is red. Well, when it's in the sun, phytochrome B is, um, I can't remember if it's inactive or activated. Uh, I want to say it's activated when it's in, in the sun, in full sun. And so when it's activated, phytochrome B actually suppresses the growth and elongation of that tissue that it's in, maybe the leaf or the twig that it's on. And when phytochrome B is inactive, when it's placed in the shade, when it's receiving more far red light, it becomes inactive, which allows that plant to 
grow and elongate more than it would normally. So this is an evolutionary response. The plant is basically sensing, hey, I'm in the shade of another plant. There's a, there's a signal that's received, the shade is received, and that signal is processed through phytochrome B, which kind of, excuse me, which, which starts this cascade of processes and signals inside the plant, inside the cells themselves, <laughs> to, to, uh, for the plant to change something that's, that's going on. So when the plant is in the shade of another plant, Phytochrome B allows elongation, basically allows that plant to elongate, grow, and try to reach out and get into better sunlight. So it's a, it's a response to competition and shading. So we've known for a bunch of decades that Phytochrome B does that. It senses uh, sunlight and light quality. Well, during, during the nighttime, in the darkness, Phytochrome B reverts to the, um, to the inactive state where it allows growth and elongation. So back in 2015, 2016, what they found with phytochrome B is that, uh, you know, at, at night, normally phytochrome B goes into its, uh, into its inactive state, right? So it allows the growth and elongation of the plant. But, but the colder the temperature is at night, the slower phytochrome B reverts to that inactive state. So the colder it is at night, the more phytochrome B stays in the active state and the more it suppresses growth and elongation. This is all a long way of saying the colder it is at night, the less growth that plant experiences. Okay, so this is a long way to say that there's a tie-in between phytochrome B, light quality, and dormancy in plants. And the whole thing kind of made me wonder... Uh, could we take lamps, lights, you know, like plant grow lights, lights that only only put out red light, and could we shine those on the olive trees all night long with only red light in order to keep phytochrome B active, in order to keep it suppressing growth, in order to help convince the tree that it's dormant <laughs> and help overcome some of the lack of dormancy conditions we have in Texas? I don't know. I don't know if that would even work. Uh, but the point is, it's it's not really feasible. We can't put up grow lights over the whole orchard. Uh, just not feasible. So it's a question, one that I've submitted to uh, some professors and see what they say about it, just to see what we can learn. Okay, so this has ended up ending up longer than I had planned on, but, you know, it's all good. It's interesting to me, at least. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about uh, is, is kind of a question I've had for a while, a question other, other folks have come to me with, is basically uh, how long does it take for a, a, a plant, in this case in particular a perennial plant, a tree, an olive tree, how long does it take to actually respond to environmental signals? So does two days of, of nice cold temperatures, does that make the tree dormant? Uh, does it go dormant immediately? Is it after 24 hours? Is it five days? Is it, is it 15 days? And I'll just go, go ahead and tell you, I think the answer is somewhere around three to seven days is the amount of time that it takes for a, a plant like an olive tree to receive an environmental signal, process that signal. There's a cascade of events that happen inside the cell, signal being passed from here to there. Then that signal basically has to reach to the nucleus of the cell, and there's changes that happen in the, in the 
reading and transcription of the DNA so that the plant will actually transcribe certain pieces of DNA in response to certain environmental cues. And that transcription of DNA, you know, creates an mRNA chain. That mRNA goes out to the endoplasmic reticulum, and that starts the mRNA carries the code, carries the copy of uh, instructions telling the endoplasmic reticulum what kind of protein or what kind of metabolite needs to be made, what kind of product needs to be made. And I don't, I don't go into all that detail to impress you. Well, okay, partially to impress you with my knowledge. But I don't go into all that detail just for that. I go into that detail because it, it's a, an attempt by me to explain that I think the process is a, is a couple of days. You know, when we actually zoom down to the minute detail of the of the plant cell, things actually happen quickly. Uh, when I talk about phytochrome B and its uh, inactivation or activation in response to light quality, that happens instantaneously, automatically, right away. When the when light quality changes from far red to red. That happens immediately because that's just one protein that has to fold up differently and change in response to the light quality. But in order for the plant as a whole to react and change its development based on that signal, I think there's a, there's a two to five, maybe seven day lag time. So no, two days of chilling is not going to make the plant go into good full dormancy. Five days yeah, I think we're there now. Seven, eight days? Yep, we're in dormancy. We're in good full dormancy. And the other question then becomes, as you well know here in Texas, we can be nice and cool, like right now, and then all of a sudden we'll have three days or two days where it's 85 degrees. It's just ridiculous what we can have here. But the question is, is two or three days at 85 degrees enough to reverse the dormancy and bring that tree back out of dormancy and wake it back up, make it grow again? And again, I think the answer is no. Uh, I think two or three days is not enough. When we start getting four, five, six, seven days of warm temperatures like that, okay, now it's had time to process that signal, create the new metabolites, the new proteins in response to that signal, and development of the plant changes at that point. So, that's a long way of saying I think you know we're in we're in really good dormancy right now at, at, at this point January 13 2022 we're in really good dormancy because of the first of the year we started finally getting some some good cool weather to help these trees go dormant and it looks like the next two weeks are really good except like yesterday and today depending on where you are but at least for my area yesterday and today Thursday and Friday were the warmest two days that we've had in a while. We got up to about 75 yesterday and 77 today, and that's not great, uh, but but it's just two days. And tomorrow or tonight, we're going to go back into, we're going to get a cold front, temperatures will go down again. So I think that two days of warm temperature is not going to mess up what we've accomplished, uh, what the weather has done for us in terms of dormancy. So was that enough? <laughs> I think that's going to do it for me today. That's all we're going to we're going to say about dormancy at this time. But it it's going to I'm, I'm glad that we took the time to go through all of this. Thanks for hanging there with me because next time we're going to talk more about uh, dormancy and vernalization and the process that leads to flowering and fruiting and the chilling requirements and all that stuff. So there we go. Hey, Thanks to my buddy Jay, Jay Schmidt, man. Thanks for the music. I'm still enjoying the heck out of this stuff. It just 
brings me peace and, and when I hear it I picture a beautiful olive orchard full of fruit and I'm walking through and they brush my hand on the olives and the beautiful graceful leaves so anyways I just just really enjoy it thanks again buddy all right that's it folks y'all take care of each other out there take care of those olive trees and we'll talk to you again soon when it's time again for growing Texas olives <laughs>